As part of Team Oxygenetics' collaboration with Ironman Europe, we're bringing you these episodes of Ask a Coach. And this week, we're going to be concentrating on tips that are going to help you structure your winter training more effectively. So first up, the first tip that I've got for you is to train like a triathlete, not like a runner or a swimmer or a biker. The beauty of being a triathlete is that these three sports are going to complement each other and it's going to allow you, if you like, to spread out where you train hard, where you train intensely, where you train easy and where you can recover. What you can't do is train like a runner and a swimmer and a biker and do really intense hard interval sessions in each one of those sports all the time. It's just not going to work and you're going to end up overtired, burnt out and ruined within just a few weeks of your winter training. So plan really carefully where you're going to do your intensity, where you're going to do your easier sessions and where you're going to do your recovery. Now, the second tip that we've got for you is to have a really strong winter structure. Have a repeatable week in place that's really going to help you be able to repeat that training week after week after week. Now, one of the most common things I see with athletes when they come to us is everyone's really keen at the start of their new coaching season. They want to get loads and loads of training done and often vastly overestimate how much training they can actually get done within a a given time frame. My advice to you would be to sit down and work out what's realistic by looking at what you've done over the last four weeks. Work out that weekly structure and try and repeat that weekly structure week after week after week. You're going to get the best return on your winter training by repeatedly completing those weeks rather than doing one really, really big week and getting either overtired or pushing yourself towards sickness or towards injury. So that's really important. Try and structure the week so that you can get the most out of your training time, but repeat that training week. Now, some people, their training week is going to be different to others. If you're a very weak swimmer and you're really concerned that you're not going to be able to complete the swim within the cutoff, you're obviously going to have to work harder on your swim and do more swimming. If you're an athlete who is really confident in the swimming ability, you can use the winter time to actually swim less and to put more of your training effort into running and biking. Now, our third tip is above everything, avoid injury. As we've said earlier, the consistency of training during winter is going to be the thing that ultimately brings you success during the summertime. And one of the biggest disruptors of training is picking up injury or niggles or soreness. And so the kind of training that I'm going to advise you to stay away from is the kind of training that's most likely to produce that soreness, those niggles, those injuries. And for most of us as triathletes, the danger here is fast or hard run intervals. They are the number one contributor to making athletes at best very sore for two or three days after the session and at worst, giving you a a niggle, a pull or something even more serious. So my real advice to you here is avoid those really fast, hard sessions. The kind of sessions that are really common if you go down to a running club It's different for runners who are just training for run sport. The only way they can get intensity into their training block is to run really hard and fast. As triathletes, we've got two other sports we can use to get intensity into our bodies, and that's what we're going to do. And if you're still not convinced, I think the thing to remember is at any running club, the classic joke is, if you've not seen a runner for a while, to ask them how their injury is. 
Almost all runners are carrying an injury almost all of the time and hard or fast running is the biggest contributor towards that. So my advice here is simple. We're going to avoid hard and fast running entirely, especially during your winter block. And what we're going to concentrate on is doing the hard work, either mostly on the bike or sometimes even during the swim as well. But they're both much safer options than running really hard is going to be. Our next tip for winter is to make your number one priority building bike power. It is the safest place for you to do your hard work during the winter. Very, very small, if not no risk of injury at all from doing your hard interval work on the bike, especially if you do it indoors on a bike trainer. And secondly, the thing to think of here is that hard training is directly going to carry across the fitness of your heart, your lungs, your blood, your blood vessels. All of that fitness gets improved by training on the bike and it directly carries across to you improving your fitness, especially on the run. So we don't need to think about hard run intervals because our hard bike intervals are going to be the thing that are going to improve our our aerobic fitness for running as well as our aerobic fitness for cycling, if you want to think of it that way. The other reason we're going to concentrate on bike power above everything else during the winter phase is when you think about it in either a 70.3 or an Ironman or in fact any distance of triathlon, we're spending the majority of the race on the bike. There's more time combined on, on, there's more time on the bike than there is combined on the run and swim together for most athletes. And so it makes sense for us to really address our bike fitness as a priority during winter. If we can get you to the end of your winter block feeling strong and fit on the bike, when you transition to riding outdoors again in the springtime, what you're going to find is you're riding faster for the same effort on your part. You'll be putting more power out for the same effort and the same heart rate. So therefore you'll be going faster. And therefore when you translate this into a race, you'll be going faster for the same effort. And that's a really, really good thing. That means that all of that hard work during the winter is paying off in a way that's directly measurable for you when you go into your races. Our next tip is don't try and give more than 100% to your training during winter. Now, this is going to sound obvious. It's a, it's a common phrase, isn't it, to give more than 100%. What I specifically mean here, though, in terms of winter training is if you've got bike intervals set at 100% of FTP, I don't want you trying to give 102, 104, 105% of FTP. Yes, you are capable of riding intervals, at those levels, but it's not going to get you any fitter, any faster. You've got to think of this as a kind of curve of response to training. And the 100% of FTP is the peak of that area. You're not going to get any more return for your training effort by going harder than 100%. Actually, you're gonna get less return for it because what's gonna happen is you're gonna end up more tired for no more increase in fitness. And so therefore, that extra training effort is wasted. If you're going to do anything, I'd rather you were a little bit under 100% of FTP on your FTP intervals than a little bit over it. And the reason for that is just what I've just described to you. We don't want you going harder than 100%. It's not a badge of honour to do that. It's actually a sign of not being able to quieten that voice in your mind that says, hey, we could do a bit more and we could get even fitter. That's not going to happen in this context. Sit just under 100 rather than just over 100 because what you'll find just over that 100 is there is a exponentially increased recovery time from doing that and you'd be much better off using that training time 
somewhere else, using that training effort somewhere else. Our next tip for you is that run durability is gonna be the key to running success come your races in the summer, not running speed. And at 70.3 in Ironman, when you think about it, you're just not running that fast in a race. And so trying to run really fast or hard in training, it's just not specific and applicable to the, to the races that you're going to be doing. The best kind of fitness you can get for running in terms of a triathlete is the durability that comes from repeatedly running more frequently rather than harder. And so that's really good news. It means you don't have to try and push yourself in every run. Every run doesn't have to be a tempo run, a threshold run, pushing yourself really hard. Just getting out and running easy and relaxed and steady is going to give your body's ligaments, tendons, all the stress that they need in order to get stronger and in order to support you being able to basically absorb the volume of training that you're going to do to complete your 70.3 or Ironman when we increase the, the length and duration of your runs later on in the season towards your race. Running harder, running faster now is not going to do that. It's something that our minds often tell us that we want to do, but unfortunately, it isn't the case at all. You're going to get your biggest bang of your training book in running simply by running easy or steady in every run and accepting the fact that it's a different element of fitness you're working on here. It's the mechanical fitness of your body's ability to run without getting tired and improving economy rather than making yourself out of breath and feeling as though you've had a hard workout. Okay, our next tip for winter is a slightly contentious one. I want you to think about swimming slower being the key to being able to swim faster in the future. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean is most of us are not limited in terms of fitness in the way that holds us back in the pool. We're limited in terms of applying force to the water. So for most of us, we're much fitter aerobically than our swim times show. And the way to think about this is if we've got stroke floors, and let's be honest, most of us do unless we're Olympic swimmers, those stroke floors act like an invisible parachute that holds us back in the water. Just trying harder to swim faster isn't going to get those parachutes off the back of you. It's just going to hold you back. So what I want you to think about doing is a specific drill done well in the right way to specifically improve an element of your swim that is currently got a flaw in it. That is a much more effective use of your swim training time than repeatedly swimming hard, doing hard intervals and feeling out of breath, and then scratching your head at the end of three months and wondering why you've not got any faster in the pool. The answer is it's not a fitness problem in the vast majority of cases. It's an application of technique to the water problem. And the fix for that is doing specific swim drills rather than just swimming harder. So if you're an athlete who has had no success in the past improving their swimming by doing lots of swimming and by swimming hard, the answer is probably that all the extra swimming you're doing is just embedding those stroke floors even more. We don't want that. We want to change things up by getting you to practice drills that are going to actually change the way you swim and they're actually going to allow you to become a better swimmer. Now, at the moment, you're probably capable of swimming much faster than you currently are showing in terms of your aerobic fitness. It's that stroke floor that's holding you back. 
So as I said, if you think about cutting that invisible parachute off the back of you by practicing swim drills, that's going to allow you to actually access your real swim fitness and see that in your swim times. Okay, the next tip I'm going to give you is to use the winter period to work on your swimming breathing. Now, we've got two different ways we can do this. For beginners and people who are new to swimming and are, are really trying to improve the swimming to maybe just try and sneak inside the cutoff in the first race, often the thing that we hear from these athletes when they get in the pool for the first time is, I've swum 25 meters or 50 meters and I'm completely out of breath. I don't even feel as though I'm trying that hard and I'm as out of breath as if I've run a 400 meter flat out on the track. This is really common with athletes who've come from a running background or a biking background who are aerobically very fit, but who don't have any kind of swim background or swim technique background. Usually what's happening here is if you find yourself very out of breath, you're not breathing out into the water. You might be turning your head to breathe. You might have your face in the water when it's turned down, but almost certainly you're not blowing that air out into the water before you turn your head to breathe fresh air in. Often what happens is the head turns, there's a quick blow out and a quick gasp back in again, and off they go. And lo and behold, that's not sustainable for any more than 30 seconds to a minute because the carbon dioxide's building up in your blood and it's the breathing out of the carbon dioxide that gets it out of your system. So you have to practice blowing long, controlled, powerful breaths out into the water before you turn your head to side to breathe the oxygen back in again. And interestingly, it's actually the concentration of carbon dioxide in your blood that gives you that feeling of being really, really out of breath. It's not a lack of oxygen that does that at all. So if you find yourself really out of breath at the end of one of these lengths, that's almost certainly the reason why. Now, if you're a really good swimmer, if you're a confident swimmer, if you've swum for years, the way I want you to use swimming to concentrate on breathing is to really work on bilateral breathing during the winter time. What I mean by this is learning to breathe every third stroke to the right and then to the left. Most of us have one side that we are really comfortable with or stronger with and one side that we're less comfortable with or, or sometimes even can't breathe on the off side at all. It's really great for evening out the power in your stroke to learn to breathe on both sides. It's also really great for race day where the sun might be rising in one direction and you don't want the sun in your eyes. There might be waves and chop coming in this direction. So it's a really great skill to learn to be able to breathe comfortably bilaterally. And during the winter time, when we're focusing on drills and technique, is a great time to take the pressure off yourself in terms of trying to hit times for repeats and concentrate on learning that skill of breathing more strongly on your offside. Okay, our next tip for you is to learn about heart rate variability or HRV. Heart rate variability has revolutionized training over the last couple of years. There are very easy ways to measure it these days using a camera phone or using the heart rate strap or using a watch that you already have. And what HRV or heart rate variability actually tells us is how ready your body is to accept hard training that day. It's literally telling you your capability to train hard. And studies have shown by the people who've investigated HRV that you're actually going to make more progress in the medium term simply by avoiding training hard on the days when your HRV has taken a dip than you are by training hard anyway. Essentially, it's what we've always known. There are days when our body is 
really willing and able to absorb the training. There are days when our body is not going to benefit from hard training. And there are days actually when you really, really need a rest. We use an app with our athletes that tells athletes in really simple color-coded way, red, yellow, or green, whether green is okay to train today, carry on as normal. Yellow is reduce the intensity of the training and don't do anything hard today. Red is simply have a rest day today. You very rarely get those red ones, but when you do, it's a really good key to take a rest day and potentially avoid training into the future. Now, if, if you're one of these athletes who's driven by compulsion and wants to get the training done regardless, you're really going to struggle with HRV telling you not to train because often it won't be on the days when you feel really tired. It's like an early warning system and HRV can be really, really fruitful in helping you learn or not learn, but helping you get signals from your body that you wouldn't feel otherwise. So on the days when the HRV is depressed, it's really simple. You either take a rest day or you do an easy day and you do your hard training on the days when you're ready to go. Interestingly, the study showed you don't even have to replace that planned interval session later in the week. You'll make more progress by simply skipping the interval session on a day when your body is not ready to absorb that training and just moving on with your training plan. So it's interesting when you actually look at the science of this, you make more progress by sometimes doing less training or less hard training, certainly when your body isn't ready to absorb it. And finally, the last tip we've got for you during this episode is to place recovery first at the heart of your training sessions, your training week, your training plan. If you are not recovering from the training that you're doing, you may as well not be doing this training at all. And it's such a common thing to see highly motivated athletes grind themselves into the ground by doing session after session after session and not taking a recovery day, not doing a recovery session, not having a rest when the body needs it. Build that into your plan as the first thing you do. One recovery focused day every week. For a lot of athletes, that's going to look like just a rest day. For some athletes, that might be a gentle recovery spin or it might be a gentle recovery swim. But place that recovery day at the heart of every week and a recovery week at the heart of every block that you do. And that way, you know that you've structured your your training in a way that no matter what you actually get done, you'll definitely absorb it on a weekly and a monthly block. If you're just going to try and keep on training and training and training, well, lo and, lo and behold, what's going to happen is you're going to grind yourself into the ground and you're going to end up either completely overtrained at best, sick or ill and injured. And none of those outcomes are what we want when they're easily avoidable by simply planning this in. So don't think of recovery days or recovery weeks as a weakness. Think of them as part of your strategic plan to get done what you need to get done. And that way you'll then have a total focus on the fact that those recovery sessions are as important as getting the training done themselves because without them, the training is much, much less effective. The next thing you can add in to think about recovery is prioritizing sleep and prioritizing recovery during the day. So for most people, the best thing you can do for yourselves is have an hour extra sleep at night rather than trying to schedule any extra training. And my biggest tip for athletes is often before you look to add more training into your schedule, look to use that extra time that you might have to schedule extra recovery and extra sleep because that's the thing that's going to help your body absorb the training that you're doing and that's much much more important than doing more training and getting more tired in a way that you're not going to be able to respond uh, uh, to absorb 
So hopefully you can think of that in terms of recovery being just as important as swimming or biking or running or strength conditioning training. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Ask a Coach, brought to you in collaboration with Ironman Europe. Hopefully you've enjoyed having those, uh, those questions answered for you. Remember, keep your eyes peeled on Ironman Europe's Instagram feed. They'll be putting up a post every couple of weeks asking for questions from you, the listener. So we'll answer those for you and help you get as much information as you need to have a fantastic performance in your Ironman or 70.3 race this coming season. So thanks very much for listening. There's links down in the description. Uh, you can check out a Team Oxygen Addict and you can also find out more about Ironman Europe races. Till next time, thanks very much for listening. See ya.